This episode is dedicated to a few family members. First, my mom, who is undergoing chemotherapy. Second, the dad of one of my besties who is recovering from a major health event. And last, but definitely not least, my uncle Arthur Lee, who passed away last week. Now, this episode was actually recorded back in September, but in the intervening months, my family and friends have received and given out devastating news about various elders in our sphere, and all of it really strikes a poignant chord now that this episode is being released one day before my uncle's funeral. Man, Uncle Art was a cool breeze, cool as a breeze, with great stories. He was a joy. Now, we know our elders will eventually leave us, but man, this one, this is unreal. So hold on to your elders, and even those who aren't necessarily connected by blood, but it's it's like their family anyway. Hold on to them, they're precious, and you only get one go-round with them. So, let's all make a count. Rest in power, Uncle Art. There was only one you. And we'll miss you. Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. Now, Thanksgiving is almost here. That means it's almost time to throw down on all those bounties that'll grace our holiday tables this week. Thanksgiving is also Family Health History Day. It's a time to discuss and learn more about diseases or health events that tend to run in your family. Yeah, now I know that's like not a sexy discussion you want to have while passing the lamb, ham, turkey, chicken, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, you name it. But if your family is gathering for this holiday or, you know, any other holiday, it could be an opportune time to consider easing in those not so appetizing discussions about your family health portrait. Just try to time it with cousin so-and-so is not about to fork a piece of sweet tater pie in their mouth. <laughs> now, my guest today is Dr. Lakeisha McMillan. She hosts the House Call with Dr. Mac podcast. In addition to doctoring, she also mothers and wives, and the cast is a joint venture with her husband, Wendell. So Dr. Mac joins us with the skinny, or the fat, depending on how you throw down in the kitchen, on having unsexy conversations about family health during Thanksgiving or any season when the family gathers. One of the things I really love about your podcast is that you talk about connecting dots. Connect the dots is one of my favorite things to do as a child. So <laughs> yes, you know, yes, I'm sure Me you really too. connect Me with too. people there. <laughs> and so, I think that's why that came to my mind too when thinking about the concept of the show was that I loved those Connect the Dots books. Because <laughs> you had no idea what the picture was. And then, you know, a lot of times it was a surprise. Oh, this is, you know, if you were doing a Disney workbook, oh, this is Mickey Mouse or, oh, this is a bear or whatever it was. Right. And it's so funny because as you were starting to go down into the higher numbers and you started kind of seeing it come through, you're like, oh, oh, I think, oh, maybe. And then when you connect that last and you bring it back up to the beginning, you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. Either it was, uh, yeah, I kind of knew that's what it was going to be. Or it was this, oh, yeah, that was really cool. I like how they did that. And so I really like being able to help people make those connections in terms of how their bodies work. When you do that, it's my belief that that empowers you to then make better health choices. 
It allows you to even be part of your medical care team is what I call it. Yay, even be CEO of your medical care team and be able to be an intricate part in making decisions of how your health is going to be taken care of, how you're going to be a participant in it, and how you understand it. As a doctor, have you found that sometimes folks expect to just go to the doctor and then have the doctor tell them everything in in a similar fashion. I used to be a teacher in a similar fashion that people would drop off their children and say, teach my child and whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever my child gets at school, that's it. They'll come home and do homework, but they expect the teacher to do everything without any involvement at home. Mm -hmm. Did you find Mm -hmm. a similar, a similar situation in your practice? It's interesting that I actually saw two different types of cohorts in my older population, because my initially I was OBGYN is what I used to practice. So in my older population of women, I saw that they were more along the lines of, okay, the doctor says I need to do this, then I do that, or, you know, kind of more so being a passive partner and not, you know, a very active partner in their healthcare. And then I had the cohort, which, you know, more people are becoming more savvy. So I did have those that had consulted Dr. Google and they came in, you know, with their list of questions or their list of symptoms or their own self-diagnosis. And, you know, we would have a discussion. So I see two different types of cohorts. Now, in the what I do now, which is functional medicine and integrative medicine, I see more of the latter where I am seeing people come in and being more of that active part because you do have people that are saying, hey, I don't want to just, one, grow old. They're saying, no, there there are things that I can do to make sure that my quality of life is better. And the other thing is that you also have the younger set of people that are saying, hey, I know that I have to take the reins because medicine is changing. Medicine has already changed and it is continuing to change. And the old model is not going to be there in the next 50 to 75 years. And so you're really going to have to be that person that really understands what's going on so that you can help your healthcare team and understand, okay, this is what I believe is, is how we're going to work, you know, what I, how I feel that you fit into my medical care team. And that's just the way it's going to possibly be. In my, in my opinion. Okay. And then filling in your own dots will help them yeah. to also fill in fill exactly. in your dots as well. Exactly. Exactly. So when did it dawn upon you that, you know what, this is really important. I know we've had previous conversations about <laughs> things that, you know, yeah. things that you recognize as far as your family history and your own health. So when did it dawn upon you that, you know what, this is something I need to do and then talk about the path that led to the podcast because you have lots of episodes under your belt. There's a trove for people to listen to. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, everybody has their origin story, you know, so to speak of different times in their lives. And a lot of people hear about taking lemons and making lemonade. And so mine is, more so along those lines, 2009, this part of my story, because, you know, we're all layers and we're all, you know, complex parts of our different pieces of our story. Well, this particular chapter in my life in 2009, unfortunately, I lost my father to um, complications from a stroke. 
and he had diabetes and hypertension. And the interesting thing was that, you know, he's, he's Jamaican. So when he would go home and eat his native foods and live in his native country in terms, when I say live, like just the whole atmosphere is different. You're walking more, you're active, you're moving more. And when he's eating the complex carbohydrates and the root vegetables, his diabetes, you know, didn't really even have high numbers. He never really had high numbers in terms of diabetes here either, Mm -hmm. but his hypertension was very, uh, you know, high when he was here um, because of our high sodium diet. When he was in Jamaica and would eat again, his native foods, hypertension go down. And so it was at that time that I had a big turning point. I had to make some big decisions because my own health wasn't doing very well. And so through a series of events, a lot of events, because then within 10 months, I lost my grandmother and, you know, we were expanding our family. And like I said, my health wasn't doing very well. Through the guidance of therapy, and I am a big advocate of therapy. Amen. We, take it uh, to Jesus and your therapist. <laughs> hello. And, and, I, and I do want to take a side street here is that I believe that if you have that, you know, that, that belief that, you know, you have a religious background, you have a, a type of um, spirituality, know that. God puts godly people on this earth in those capacities that are licensed, Mm -hmm. that know how to help you, okay? Not necessarily that they have to be of your same faith or that of your background, but there are people here. And I believe that because I do have a spiritual background, I do have a faith that I believe God led me to my therapist. And so working through grief, working through a myriad of things, He helped me to realize that I love education. I love to educate my clients, my patients, and I have a natural ability to do that. And so we birthed the podcast. It was actually my husband's idea, which was hilarious because I had never (laughs) seen him. My husband's a perfect melancholic. Okay, I'm the sanguine. I am the ready, shoot, then aim and go, oh, there were instructions. Okay. Uh, he writes SOPs all day long. So that's standard operating procedures. He's a step one, step two, step, you know. And so I remember going to him saying, hey, you know what Eric and I talked about today? And, you know, we were talking through some stuff. And I said, he said, I should do a radio show. And I never forget. He sat and looked at me. He says, I know exactly what you need to do. He says, you need to do a podcast. I was like, a pod what? I had no idea what it was. At this point, he was consuming them in, I mean, he was just ravenous about the pot. He had so many different podcasts he was listening to. He was like, we can do it. It costs maybe nothing for us to get started. And you can do it on your time, you know, Blah, blah, blah. I mean, he listed all the positives and I was like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I trust you. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And it took us about five months to get it up and going. Again, I'm the, okay, you said, let's do it. Let's record like next week. Right. <laughs> and he's like, no, and he's laying Keisha. out the, right? he's the like, steps. There are steps. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I waited and, and let him do the steps because when we launched, we actually ended up on iTunes news and noteworthy podcast in 2014 when we launched so doing the steps 
do work. (laughs) And, and that's where the podcast has gone. It has, it has gone to almost all of the continents. When I look at our stats, Um, there are so many countries that it's in right now. One of our biggest cities is Tokyo. Really? Yes. Wow. And that is amazing. Um, so we help people connect their health dots. That's what we do on the podcast. And what we do is we have individuals come in and tell their health stories and we have healthcare providers and other experts give their perspectives. And we hope that as you allow us to come in and make this house call with you, that you are now using the power of storytelling to connect your own health dots and see more of a complete picture of yourself. And that's where you can then become the CEO of your medical team, of your healthcare team, and become an intricate part and be able to understand, okay, this is what I need to do for my health at this point. So that's kind of the origin story of House Call with Dr. Mack in a, in a roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trove of information contained within the House Call with Dr. Mack podcast. They have crossed the 100 episode mark with topics ranging from autism to heart health, reproductive health. Health, sickle cell disease, breast cancer, sex, waka, 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 parenting, and they even get into dollars and cents with financial health. That only covers some of the topics, just skims the surface. You'll have to check them out to find out more. But right now, let's get back to Dr. Lakeisha McMillan, host of House Call with Dr. Mack, and how the power of story can be used to connect your health dots. One episode I listened to about a gentleman who had multiple myeloma. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. That yes. story. was oh my gosh they're all compelling but that one said oh wow he just went in because his his side hurt as he had an ache in his abdomen it and it turns out he has something that he that basically turned his life upside down and that he has Mm -hmm. forever yes yes and the one take home that I want people to take from that particular conversation is that he did recognize that something wasn't right for his body when he tells his story and he looks back, there were just, and it what they weren't huge signs. They were just little subtle things where he was kind of brushing them off and putting them in the background. And I'm not saying, you know, become a hypochondriac, please don't, you know, but this is where you have to know your body and you have to be in tune and know when something's not quite right and be able to go in and be your own advocate. That's um, another big overriding theme that goes on in a lot of our conversations with people that share their stories is how they became their own advocate. Or even when we're talking about pediatric stories, because we have pediatricians that have come on and we've had um, mothers that have come on and talked about different journeys with their children and how they had to become a really big advocate for that person so that they could eventually get what they needed. And so we give a lot of resources. Um, we're in the Maryland, D.C., you know, Virginia area, the DMV. So we can give you resources for our local area. But when we do talk to people from other areas, like we had a mom that told her story of her son who had a hearing deficiency and they're in Alabama. And so she was giving information about services in Alabama. So those are the things that we do. And so it's not just for this area, but, you know, when we have people that Skype in or call in and we share their stories, we try and give for that particular region. Or if there's something nationally that they can tap into, we do that as well. With the parents, one of the parents I recently talked to, I'm, I'm sure you probably know Cleverly Changing. 
Oh, absolutely. Yes. Been, yes. She has been on our show as well and told their story. She's been on twice. Actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So she told their story about sickle cell. Right. Twins sickle cell and sickle anemia. Cell anemia. Mm-hmm. And then she came back and told us the story about the diabetes diagnosis as well. Oh, my goodness. The way that she advocates for her girls. She's a warrior. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yes, she is a warrior. That is it. She is a warrior. And one of the things that she was that I grabbed from our conversation, I'm sure you probably grabbed the same thing as well. She's also teaching her children to be their own advocates at a young age. So it's one thing for us adults to connect our our health dots. But she's also paying that forward to the next generation and saying, you know what? This is how you pronounce this particular medicine. This is what you need to ask your doctor. And, you know, she says she's there in the room, but her daughter's mm-hmm. also is, you know, is her own advocate. Yes. Yes, absolutely. She she does that. And I admire it was interesting because we actually did a co-presentation at a women's it's called the Learn, Shift, Grow Symposium. And we were co-presenters last year and just getting ready for that presentation and coming together and watching how she was teaching, you know, her daughters how to be able to, you know, understand how their bodies work. And so we were able to even bring our families together and it taught my children some other interesting life lessons too. And they talk about that all the time. And so you, it's truly a community that helps to raise your and take care of your family because they're watching and they're listening. And so I saw how my, even my youngest, you know, at the time she took some pearls away and our son who's oldest, how he even took some things away and how they were talking about movement and the bodies and exercise and foods. And it, it was just really a nice thing. And it wasn't overly like a big, you know, presentation and we're going to sit down and we're going to talk to you guys as children, but just the way that we're just having conversations and the interaction of the day is what what sparred a lot of understanding and education. So speaking of education, um, Mm -hmm. we have National Health History Day, which is uh, set aside for Thanksgiving Day, but then also November is National Health History Month. Now, you know, you might not necessarily want to talk about family history of like hemorrhagic strokes (laughs) over the turkey. Right, (laughs) right. But you need to. (laughs) I mean, let's just be real. That's kind of when you need to have those conversations. Excuse me. Because that's when you have, you know, aunt so-and-so over who knew about grandma's history, you know? And, and so, yeah, you may not want to talk about it, like you said, around the turkey, but you may need to start sparking certain conversations when you have family around. So you can have answers. I know one of the things um, my sister and I, we talked about, we both have uterine fibroids Mm -hmm. and we come from a generation. Of course, we love and adore our elders, but our elders don't always talk about things like that. Not all the time. I think it's changing now because, you know, they're being poked by their Gen X children. You know, how come or why come I didn't know about this? Why didn't I know about this? Why didn't I know about the history of uterine fibroids? Why didn't I know, you know, about how old I could expect these things to to start Mm -hmm. developing? Mm -hmm. And it 
just wasn't talked about. We found out that we have it on both sides. Mm-hmm. All of our aunts, well, not mm-hmm. all of our aunts, but you know, our mm-hmm. aunts had Majority, it and they had yeah. it bad. Cousins, mm-hmm. lots of folks. And then come to find out that lots of friends have it too. Mm-hmm. And we're just sitting around thinking we have regular old run of the mill cramps. No, we are in pain. We are there in you pain. Go. There you go. And so, what are some ways that folks can kind of ease into this discussion? Hey, if you have too many of those, you know, if you have too much of that dish, you know, you might die of a stroke or we have history of strokes, you know, we have history of diabetes. What's a good way to launch into that without, you know, destroying the spirit of the day? day. (laughs) Exactly. I think one thing would be, it's almost even when you're just preparing the foods, there's a sense of communion. There's a sense of camaraderie, you know, coming together when you're preparing. And so it may not be a full conversation in terms of from beginning to end. You may start a piece of the conversation while you're mixing the cornbread. And you may, you know, while you're putting in that butter or the oil, you know, somebody say, oh, you know, butter's not good for you. Or what are they saying now about the oil? And well, you know, well, I'm not sure, but well, why do we need to be concerned about it? Is, is there something to, you know, does our family need to be concerned about? you know, while we're making the macaroni and cheese. So those are little things that you can do is that while you're setting the table or you're, you know, you're with a particular family member, you know, just maybe not have the whole, okay, I need the family history who died of this and who died of that. But, you know, just little the mashed potatoes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let me have a second helping of that gravy. Oops. Okay. Well, you know, so-and-so had a quadruple bypass, you know, no. (laughs) Um, And and you can get the feel of your family. You know, if your family is very open and they talk about those things, or if your family seems to be private, then maybe pull somebody off to the side and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm a little concerned. I'm going to the doctor. Is there anything I need to know? Or is there anything that I should be aware of? Or I've noticed that when I try to do X, Y, and Z, like if I try to just cut out certain foods and I do some exercise, I notice that my weight gets better. You know, do you all notice that that's probably something that happens in our family or just just those little conversations or, you know, we've never talked about it. Can we talk about, maybe even start it that way. Just say, you know, I'm getting a little older. I kind of want to know some things. We've never talked about it. I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just, you know, we just... Don't get around to it, but can we talk about a couple of things? And so those can be conversations that you have before the football game comes on, you know, before you sit down and say, you know, you do the whole, um, oh, what's the prayer for Thanksgiving Day? I, I can't think of that hymn, but you know, until oh, you know, we gather together, we gather together, <laughs> right? You, you can do this while you're in the kitchen preparing, while you're setting the table, even when you're clearing up. And if you're going to be together for, you know, a few days, because a lot of people travel, then that Friday, when you're doing your Friday shopping, the day after Thanksgiving shopping, or that next couple days when you're sitting around eating leftovers, you can start having little snippets of these conversations and ask, you know, did you know about, you know, do you have any suggestions? Do you have any information I could take away from here? I just want to make sure I'm doing the right stuff. And asking questions, that's the... That's what the most important thing. And you know what? You jogged a memory. Um, I can't remember if we've talked about this in the past or not, but those discussions about high blood pressure, I think they happened. They didn't particularly happen around Thanksgiving time, but I just remember I had this memory of my mom cooking 
I can't remember if I asked her mm-hmm. why we don't put salt or, you know, are you going to put salt in something? And then somehow that conversation was stirred. And she said, well, I'm not going to put extra salt. If there's salt already, natural salt already in there, I might use a little bit of seasoning. But as far as adding extra salt to the food after it's cooked, we don't do that. I think the discussion was about table salt because uh-huh, we don't uh-huh, have table uh-huh. salt. Table salt. Right, right, right. And so she said, well, whatever seasoning that needs to be done is going to be done while I cook. I'm not going to do a lot there. But afterwards, no. And, you know, she wasn't mean about it, but it was I could tell that she meant business and we would not be mm-hmm. getting table salt. And then she gave me the reason. <laughs> she gave the reason. Exactly. Grandma, grandpa, mm-hmm. your dad's parents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And so that was that planted the seed about high blood pressure and the need to, Uh you know, maybe take care of myself and never add table salt. And I don't I don't have table salt. I I cook with it a little bit. Right. um, Right. Yeah. And maybe some seasoning salt. And I try not to add a whole lot. But as far as after it, after the food is done. No. Right. 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 And you're right. It's funny because we have started having those conversations with our children. Because, yeah, we don't have table salt. We season at the pot, and then it's like, then you're done. Um, We're starting to use more of the herbs and using herbs to season your food. And, you know, like you said, use the pink Himalayan salt or the sea salt so you're not using so much of it. And talking about it, you know what I'm saying? And and like I said, you kind of have to know your family. So I have to say, hey, look, you have genes that can get turned on that can stimulate high blood pressure. Well, what is that? Okay, so let me try and break it down for your mind at this point. And so we can continue to have that conversation on and on and on as you get older and older. And so you understand how your body works. And so that's another thing for parents to remember. It's not just one conversation, not just one sit down, not just one Thanksgiving, you know, not just one time stirring and preparing the turkey or the gravy, because gravy is good. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, you're going to make me go get some food after this conversation. But yeah, it is. It's an ongoing conversation that we have to continue to have with our children, with our parents, you know, because we're the sandwich generation. So we have our parents that are getting elderly Mm -hmm. and our children that we're raising or nieces or nephews that we're part of their lives of. And, you know, we have to make sure that we're we're having these conversations on both sides. And that they're not just one-sided and they're not just one time, but that you continue to say, okay, oh yeah, something else popped up. Let me ask so-and-so about this. Or, oh, let me tell this person about this. Let me help them understand. So yeah, it's, it's that ongoing, keep, let's keep it going. Let's keep it up. Not just, oh, well, this is the only time. You, can, you only got 60 seconds. Hop to it. <laughs> That's it. Yes. It's all about, all about communication. Like you said earlier, sharing your stories. Communicating your stories. That's one of the one of the driving forces of your podcast so people can connect their health dots. So I guess if you another thing, if you are not around your family, because I'm in the DMV, Mm -hmm. we're in the same area, but my parents are on the West Coast. So, you know, of course, you can have those conversations over the phone, over Mm -hmm. FaceTime, Mm -hmm. if you even want to set up like a Google Doc or whatever, something in the cloud just to... To keep all the family history in one place. So those, these, all of these are just ideas. You know, Absolutely. you have to find out what works best for your family. But the most important thing is to have the conversations and make sure people, um, make sure those in your family are aware and they know. So mm-hmm. when they go and see Dr. McMillan, 
<laughs> right. They can say, okay, I know what's going on in my family. I know how this could potentially affect me because you have those genes, you know. And even if you are adopted, if you are not even living with your birth family, you should be able to talk to your family that is raising you, that is loving on you, and say, hey, if you have any information, can you give it to me? Because they may not always have everything there. And, you know, for whatever reason, situational. But if they have something, they should be able to share that. And that is another thing that you have to realize. If you are a foster or an adoptive parent and you've had this child in your heart and you have now brought them in and you're loving on them and helping them to become a very thriving adult, you need to let them know, you know, okay, this is the information I have. This is what I don't have so that they can then be able to tell that to their healthcare provider so that they're not in the dark because it does make a difference of what's going on, what, what genes you have, what's going on in the background. And one of the things that you said, the genes can be turned on. We all have certain genes. But if, if I pour salt down my throat, Ooh, yes, <laughs> that pressure is yes. going to that, that gene for the, well, actually the gene for the pressure has already been turned on, unfortunately. Right, right. <laughs> yes. I think a lot of us. And but maybe it would have yeah. happened sooner if I had been pouring exactly. salt down my throat. Exactly. Exactly. Because we do have children now that are facing type 2 diabetes, that are facing hypertension, that are facing high cholesterol even, which is interesting. So, you know, because we have our children, I am now back in the pediatric world that way you know, taking them to their checkups and doing and realizing, I think when our son was seven, was the first time that he had his cholesterol checked. Wow. And I don't remember. Yeah. And so there's a new recommendation to start checking children's cholesterol, at least for the first time doing a check, I believe it's as young as seven or eight years old. And I was like, oh, wow, really? And wow. my pediatrician was telling me, yes, because you have the familial inheritance and you have that influence and so also with the diet and I was like wow I was shocked when it was like yeah we need to check his cholesterol I was like, wow what? I'm trying so, to think I don't remember when I had yeah, my I was, I was an, either I was a teenager adult. yeah yes. late yes. teens or early yes. adulthood absolutely absolutely wow so yes wow I'm just marinating yeah. on that for a couple of seconds <laughs> Our poor babies. Absolutely. They have to Absolutely. grow up so soon. They do. They, oh, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, you wanna have that discussion? <laughs> Ooh, that's a whole nother Yes, yes, yes. We did a conversation on um the talk on the podcast having that oh, okay. talk with your children. Oh, honey, child, we had to leave parts of that conversation on the cutting room floor. But you know what? We're open to take it up again in the future. Yes, child. What we were talking about? Well, you'll just have to stick around in another episode and find out. So Dr. Mack and I, we pivot our conversation uh, from this point from family health history to something else that can crop up this time of year when folks gather and everything is festive and people are celebrating. Something else that can crop up? Holiday depression. Now, okay. I know I understand how that feels because I've spent some holidays away from home. It was one thing to do so in college when it was exciting. I'm working. I'm right. Away from home. Right. It's another thing to be working. And it's, you know, you for whatever reason, you can't get back home. You mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. um, maybe you add put in for the time too late or whatever, whatever the case right. is. 
but it's it's difficult to be away from home. Sometimes folks might be depressed during the holidays for for other reasons. There could be myriad reasons why a person mm-hmm. might feel down during the holidays, including like the increase in activity, the expectations mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. holidays. Have you ever run across uh, any patients who seem to feel a little bit lower during the holidays? Oh, absolutely. And especially now where I am with the wellness clinic, um, people talk about, you know, like you said, it's either the pressures of the holidays, the expectations that can wear on somebody, or it could even be triggers for people in terms of, you know, maybe they've lost a loved one, unfortunately, around the holidays. Um, or even if you haven't lost someone around the holidays, if you've lost somebody, the holidays can be one of those reminders of who's absent and, you know, remind you of their absence and make it very real to you. And not just losing a loved one, even if relationships have gone awry, you know, we talk about losing relationships and it could be not even, we're talking about romantic relationships, but even friendships, you know, just, and then you have the whole other aspect of the sun going down earlier so you don't even have as much sunlight which is you know another factor for a lot of people where you're inside more so you're under the uv light which is really not good for you and you're not outside breathing that nice fresh air so even in the winter even when it's cold i encourage people still go outside (laughs) go you said that with passion (laughs) oh my goodness please Go outside, take deep breaths, get the cold air in your lungs, breathe that in, breathe it out, get outside, feel the crisp, cool air on you, do those things, take some extra vitamin D if you need to, Uh, you know, making sure that you can help keep those levels up and, you know, checking in with someone, making sure you have somebody you can check in with. A friend, a colleague, a co somebody that you can just, you know, say, hey, somebody you trust, you just say, hey, you know, this is a little hard for me. And you don't even have to go into the thing. Just say, you know what, if you don't hear from me in like a couple days, just just send me a text and just say, hey, you know, everything okay? Um, just so I can know somebody's looking out for me. Somebody missed me or checked in with me or you even do that to yourself. Maybe you should go and make sure you check on somebody, you know, because when we take the focus off of ourselves mm-hmm. and we stop looking inward, then it actually can help propel us to look outward and to kind of feel a little bit better. It's not going to be the cure. It's not going to help take care of all of it. And again, look for their new apps. I know Michael Phelps talks about a therapy that you can get on your phone. Mm -hmm. Look for ways that you can get help because they're out there. So be it through some type of community outreach program, be it through an app on your phone, finding a therapist, a psychotherapist that you can go talk to. Um, a friend that you can just reach out to, something, you know, because the holidays can be, can be a bugger sometimes, you know, it can really be a beast. And sometimes we need to take the expectation off of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm supposed to have this nice face on, I'm supposed to be cheery, I'm supposed to be, no, you know what, if you don't feel like talking to folk, if you don't feel like being around, don't, you know, don't, 
commit yourselves to all the parties. Don't commit <laughs> yourselves to all the potlucks. You know, don't say I'll host it this year. No, I don't feel like it. I'm really a little tired. I'm a little weary. And so, you know, we're not going to do it. There are times where we have even had to say we're not going to travel this year. And that's hard on everybody. You know, I wish we had a magic wand that could just poof us to that location where our family is. But if you look at it and it's going to be a tax and a strain and it's not going to actually be filling for you, then take a step back. Say, pause. Okay, is this something that I really need to do right now? And so those are a couple of tips that I have. One, get your vitamin D in. Two, go outside even if it's cold. Three, make sure you check in with someone. Even if you're the person that's not feeling so happy, you should call and check in on somebody. It will make you kind of force you to do something. And then take some of the obligations off your plate. You know, don't feel that you have to commit yourself to everything. You don't have to do it all. Doing it all is no. not mandatory. Take the S off your chest. <laughs> yes <laughs> that is that is my big that's my big refrain for a lot of my clients now I, I say take the s off your chest sometimes the s can be your kryptonite it, oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely absolutely and even the the same tips that you just gave apply um if you are depressed during the holidays because you had a recent diagnosis or you're ill yes. if you're dealing with a long-term illness one of the comorbidities, we call it, can be depression because it's wearing on you, because it has taken you out of your regular routine, because you may even have some chronic pain or you may not be able to do some things that you used to do. One of those comorbidities can be depression and you need to talk about it with your healthcare provider because sometimes you may need a little medication to help you get over the hump. Medication's not always bad. Now, I don't, I'm not a person that carries a prescription pad in my back pocket and throw pills at everything, you know, but I do believe again, like with the godly people and the therapist, I believe that there are times where you do need to take some type of, of help to make sure that you get balanced out and get over and get over the hump. Just like you take that pill for the pressure or exactly. that pill for, you know, whatever, whatever exactly. ailment there is. Exactly. Absolutely. So, and now let's, um, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, a few, some months ago, and we were talking because every now and then I can slip into the blues and then slip mm -hmm. back out and slip mm -hmm. into the blues. Mm -hmm. But I was telling her, well, you know, I don't, what's the difference between being melancholy? That's my natural personality. That's part mm -hmm, of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Being melancholy and being depressed. That's a great question. It is the duration of time that you are depressed and that it affects your life's production. So if you, and, and that now gets into the world of psychiatry, which I am not, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I'm not well-versed in the amount of time. I do believe if it's like three weeks or more, so, you know, I have to follow back up on that. But if you are depressed for three weeks or more and it is affecting your quality of life, your ability to do your daily activities of daily living, then that goes into the clinical diagnosis of depression. 
And like you said, some of us can get a little blue and, you know, have to go sit down for a while and kind of figure things out. And like you said, you know, your melancholics, which are the people that need to retreat, like their batteries get recharged when they go into and, and away from crowds versus, you know, somebody that needs to get charged by going out and being around people. Um, but depression is more so of the length of time and how it affects your quality of life and your productivity in life. So what if you have been in that area, in that arena for a long time, and maybe it's it's brought on by life circumstances? Bad breakup here. This may or may not be biographic. I'm not saying. Um, <laughs> breakup here, breakup there, diagnoses, you know, something that you feel you can't control, mm -hmm. other things in your life that you feel you just can't control. Is that a reason to, is medicine needed for that? Or can you have like cognitive therapy to kind of get out of that? That's a great question. In my opinion, I believe cognitive therapy works very well. Now, when you're getting your cognitive therapy, that's when they will then further evaluate you to see if you need medication as well. Because some people do do very well when they have a combination of both and not just cognitive therapy alone, because they do need help with making sure the neurotransmitters, which are chemicals in the brain, are nice and balanced. And then once they get balanced and you have the tools from the cognitive therapist to make sure that you can just get through the days and, and be able to ward off things and, and see things coming in the future... That's when you, I believe, that's when your, your, your backpack is really stacked then. And you're just like, okay, I really feel like I can do this. You know, where if a person just does medication but don't get the tools, sometimes I feel that they're at a disadvantage, you know, in my opinion. I really believe cognitive therapy adds that extra oomph behind it. Same thing in reverse. If you're just doing cognitive therapy, but you see some things that may need a little bit of help and you don't quite get that extra piece in your backpack, you may be deficient. You know, so for example, myself, I got a late diagnosis of ADHD in adulthood. But when I look back, I had symptoms from childhood. And so it's not what you would call adult onset ADHD. I just had a late diagnosis. And I've had therapy for different aspects in my life. But I've also chosen to do medication. Because right now, if mommy's not on task and focused, this household goes to hell in a handbasket very quickly. Because I need to stay focused to be able to help and, and be able to manage the household. And so that my husband's not managing me and the household and the kids aren't managing me. You know, so that's what I've chosen to do. And I've used the tools in my toolbox from therapy and books that they've given me to read to be able to adjust and go, oh, I see what's happening now. Okay, I need to, you know, make this adjustment. Um, so that, that's what I would, I would say. It's, it's one of those things where you have to go and you have to start the process and then they'll be able to see, okay, what would also balance? Because the same person that does the therapy may not be the person that prescribes you the medication. What if you're just a melancholy person? Does that mean you're depressed? Well, my dear fellow melancholy people, not necessarily. 
More with Dr. Lakeisha McMillan of the House Call with Dr. Mac podcast. If you feel like there's a ceiling, some people feel like there's just this little, because there is the melancholic, yes. And we talk about the melancholic, the perfect melancholic, but they like order. So melancholics really are like orderly people. They like to go and retreat to recharge their battery, but they're not necessarily sad people. They tend to be more quiet. They tend to be orderly and they tend to not need a big crowd of folk. But I think what we've done is we've kind of swept melancholics and sad people all in the same bunch and you don't get, they don't get fairly shaken out. But I think that is something that, that we have done kind of as society is that we just, we just say, oh, you're melancholic. And it's like, no, maybe I, I really do feel a little more sad than I probably should be. Because, yeah, even if you're melancholic, you should still kind of have like a little joy inside that, you know, can, you know, like, oh, yeah, and I like working on this project or I like doing that or, you know, instead of, well, I get through my day. Yeah, I, I can get through my day. You know, yeah, people that are that need just a little bit of help can get through their day. There are things that bring me joy. There's little small <laughs> things that bring me joy, big things that bring me joy. But sometimes I just feel like I'm under a cloud sometimes. Yeah, and some yeah. people do. And some people feel that way more so in the winter. And that okay. could be, um, we call it um, seasonal affective disorder. Oh, sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sad. Oh, wow. <laughs> And so, yeah, some people feel a little more just like, oh. And so I tell people, get your vitamin D on board. Yeah, really bump up your vitamin D because it can really help with your neurotransmitters, help you feel better, help your immune system, um, those type of things. But, and then they feel like, so I have people that actually, you know, they have this ability. They go, that's why people move in different times of year. So they go to Florida or they go, you know, to places where there's more sun more sunlight during the waking hours. Hmm. Um, or there are even people there light, there's light therapy that you can do. Um, the, um, the photo therapy, what is it called? Um, UV light therapy. Mm-hmm. People can actually, you can put it on your head. You put, and supposed to actually help to decrease inflammation and also stimulate um, the neurons and help you um, to feel a bright. So yeah, some people do. I, I know I do, but what I do is then I exercise more. Okay. Is what okay. I've had to, and I have to push myself to do that. So this year will be the first year that I am going to be very consistent with that um, because the gym's next door now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I've been getting up and, and then we realized too, the morning worked better for me than the evening. Mm-hmm. And so we've all made that adjustment with our schedule here at the house. So I get up and I go out first thing in the morning and come back and help them finish getting ready for school. And then I take them. But yeah, it's, um, you have to kind of figure out what works for you. And I noticed a huge difference now. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is what's been kind of missing is this is kind of my keystone habit that makes the day go a lot better. You know, it doesn't take away everything, but it just makes it better. 
Today's guest, Dr. Lakeisha McMillan, host of the House Call with Dr. Mac podcast. She's making a difference in various spheres as a wife, as a mother, also at work as a doctor. She's also making a difference in the lives of her listeners with her show. And you can find it at housecallwithdrmac.com, as well as your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Alexa. You can get all their links, social media handles, and more information at planetnown.com. I'm Liz Anderson host of the Planet Now podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Now, if you have any interview ideas, folks who are doing the most to make a difference where they're planted or folks with an interesting story and you think I should feature them, please drop me an email. Planet Noun, that's planet, like the heavenly body, noun, like the part of speech, all one word, planet noun at gmail.com. Or you can message me on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for stopping by. Until next time, take care.